Okay, here we go. The Ben and Maggie Show. He's about to get crazy and wild. Stay for a while. Don't touch your radio the dial. Ben and Maggie Show. Kicking it back. Sports talk. Listen to that and stay tuned for some giggles and last go. <laughs> Look, I'm not saying the medical establishment isn't trying to figure shit out or that they're corrupt, although there is some of that. <laughs> but... But how about just wrong? Wrong a lot. Wrong about HIV, wrong about lockdowns, wrong about kids, wrong about how you couldn't get it if you were vaccinated. And there's never been any research showing that outdoor transmission is likely or common, yet L.A. County says we're still supposed to mask up for big outdoor events, like we'll be at the Super Bowl. Watching athletes mix it up on the court and then mask on the sideline, not being able to touch a menu, but watching them touch my food. And by the way, if Applebee's really cared about our health, they would make us cover our mouths after the food arrived. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Planet Mikey Show. My wife used to work at Applebee's. Really? She said they... The staff called it Crapplebees, mm, almost you you know completely almost to a person. Because the it, diarrhea it, you'd get after, huh? Because of the diarrhea you'd get after from eating it. What? <laughs> because of the I, I diarrhea. You, I heard you this third time. You know what? I, I just got a call from Applebee's a little while ago. They want to sponsor the podcast. Oh, cool! Oh, those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I was just kidding. Uh, we have a guest. Yeah. I, it's the first time in three, four, five, six weeks. I know. What was the last guest we had in here? Do you remember? What? The last guest we had was Jimmy Dunn. I thought it was Ned Beatty. Might have been Ned. Remember he squealed like a pig just yeah. by, by request? At the I end? love that movie. That's a great movie. It's podcast number 163. Weird that he requested it. Sorry. <laughs> We've got so much to cover. Bill Smith is here, as always, still still wearing his pants. Thank you. That's right. Ben Kitchen is here, still wearing his girlfriend's pants. Mm-hmm. I'm Mikey Adams, better known especially in Florida as Pants de Leon. <laughs> I think I discovered a fountain of you. The uh, two what? I won the 1994 Tour de Pants. Of course, that's back when I was doing steroids. We have our pal Jerry Thornton right here with us to my Hi, left. Jerry. Hi, Jerry. Good afternoon. Oh, my Ooh. God. <laughs> Who put Hello. that on TV? <laughs> That's pretty good. I put yeah, that... that's what happens when you get intro. Just there's there's got milk. Th- there's a oh look there's nudity oh, in a movie no. in, the, in the studio. Holy yeah, moly! Yeah. moly. By the way, I am also wearing Ben's uh, girlfriend's pants. You are yeah. on my head. So, um, Is that Ursula Andress? Yes, the naked one. Uh, Ursula undress. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got to tell you something. I, I, All right, that's the show. Hey, when it, 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 Jerry was doing his intro, we interrupted Jerry. Oh no, but I was. I wanted to. No, just, no, interrupt me for the naked, Ursula Andrews uh, naked breasts, uh, naked like in uh, Cirque du Soleil, the original porn. Clash of the Titans. <laughs> Holy moly! Yeah, uh, that's just you would just sculpt her out of, out of granite. Skull <laughs> like a rock. That's right. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would. Uh, I would still. Um, so Jerry Thornton's here now. What is he? What is Jerry Thornton? To those of you that don't know, and there's probably <laughs> what is he? He's a, he's a he's an author. He's a man. Uh, he's a comedian. He's an excellent writer. I might I might say barstool yeah. blogmaster. Yep, or blogmeister. If you're in Germany listening to to tonight's podcast, and we have by the way we have listeners in Germany. We do. It's unbelievable. I, and I promised them on Christmas I would sing. Stille Nacht, Silent Night, oh, yeah. for them in German. Wow. But I'll wait till Christmas. Okay. And Entschuldigungen Sie bitte? But what? I think your eins dry funft right there. Uh, <laughs> former WEEI cohort of mine and ours, yep. uh, including Ben Kitchen. And, of course, Bill Smith was at WEEI. Yes. Still. Yeah, is. I'm still there. So well, don't badmouth anybody because, you, you know, then I'll show voice, up. I'm the, still there, too. The voice is there. They'll point, to, they'll point to us and they'll say, you. <laughs> uh, we have a fabulous podcast coming your way tonight. Brought to you by Hop, 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 You can do it, Mike. I knew you could do it. Which is, of course, uh, in fact, put, you should put the menu up there so we can. I want to show Jerry Thornton what. He's in for because guests of the Planet Mikey podcast sometimes eat, dine, drink at the Apothecary yep. in North Reading, Massachusetts. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm a I'm a big brew pub guy myself. They're I, open. I enjoy them. You know, you you go to a brew pub and 
there's the asshole level is at zero. It, I've never once seen anybody throwing down at a place like that. Yep. It's usually like just chill people, beer fans, yeah. families, people with strollers, people with young kids. I, I was at one in Ohio with my lovely wife, and it was exactly like the same crowd at one you'd see here, except we were outside, and she said, you know that woman uh, over your shoulder is... Um, yeah, she's having a beer and uh, breastfeeding a baby. I go, all right, cool. So she's nursing a beer and a child, you know, and that just, kid came is going to sleep like a baby. My wife's from Ohio, and I went, I went there the first time. I said, oh, my God, this is we, we somehow got on back roads, you know, from Columbus to uh, to Sydney, Ohio, where she was. And we passed 100 farms, 200 churches, no convenience stores, none. <laughs> No gas stations, just farms yeah, yeah, and they're, churches. They're inconvenience stores, yeah. and they right, and they pray for the not to run out of gas before they. So some of these beers you're going to see here. I'm going to go to Helix. Let's go to Helix because that's the kind. Double Helix, right there. Okay. Eight point six percent alcohol by volume. Hey now, you're an all star. Uh, yeah, an IPA Imperial Double New England Hazy. Yeah, you're going to want to try that when you go to Hothacary, uh in North Reading at uh, 302 Main Street. I think it's North, I think it's Main Street. Yeah, it's Main Street. Right on Main Street. Yeah, just and, ask uh, I'm going to try also the uh, inoculate to see. It's an IPA sour to see if that will uh, finally cure COVID. <laughs> if it doesn't, it'll cure something. It's been it'll, rumored. it'll cure the blues, I'm sure. It's herd immunity oh, in a and bottle. Af- aphrodisiac. That's the uh, endorsed by Bill Cosby. That's right. Yep. That's right. That's pre-boner Bill Cosby. Actually, you know, his is ambient, but uh, they don't serve that there because they're a, they're a fine business. And I'm really yeah. looking forward to that. Thank well, you. You're going to enjoy that, the, I, the, I think. And uh, enjoy the, the food and the fun and the frivolity of the, of, the, uh, of the Hypothecary, one of our fine sponsors. And by the way, run by the same great quality restaurant group that runs Joe Fish, both in North Reading and North Andover. And they are hiring. I saw a tweet about that. Uh, Bill Burt tweeted mm. out a – oops – Oh, you okay, Mike? Ow. Yeah. He tweeted out a thing that they're hiring for all positions, and that's how I used to get my girlfriends <laughs> back in the day. But uh, Joe Fish in North Andover, if you're a, a server, a bartender, uh, a cook, a sh- they're hiring. They're bringing people back in because it's getting busy again. A fabulous restaurant with a great reputation. Do they have a position open for someone who sits around and really doesn't contribute much? That, that's because right, yeah. I, I used to work for the state, and that's pretty much my skill set. You so know? you know all about that position. Yeah. Uh, it's called sitting. It's called sedentary. So Jerry Thornton's here. First things first, because as a football guru, expert, a knowledgeable and a hardcore believer, uh, guardian of the wall, um, <clears throat> I saw that you, you tweeted – there was a picture that some ESPN reporter put on Twitter of a rally for the, the Rams – Yes. And you made fun of it because it it was really sparsely attended. Yes, they had it in a set of bleachers. And I said, I uh, between two sons, I coached youth football for 11 years between like the ages of you know, third grade and eighth grade. Yeah. That was our average crowd. Right, right. Los Angeles, if I know my geography, is the second biggest metropolitan area in the United States it of is. America. And they drew... Basically, a cocktail party. Yeah, it must be a hundred people, maybe in the st- in the, in like, the bleachers. If that, like, no, yeah. the Rams are just perpetually going to be the the team, along with the Chargers, the other team in L.A. Right. That nobody gives a tuppenny fuck about. Well, like, right. you know, I mean, they didn't right. care about them when they were first in L.A. They left for St. Louis. Because no one. They missed went to them. St. Louis because no one gave a shit. Yeah, and then when they left St. Louis, it barely made a ripple in their life. Yeah. You know what I mean? And now oh. they're back in L.A. And even fewer people care. And when when the Pats played them in the Super Bowl, so this is January 2018, uh, 2019, so it was the 2018 season, they had 35,000 people at a send-off rally at Gillette Stadium. My my good friend Nick Fitzy Stevens, currently of WEI, um, emceed the whole thing. And, again, it— the the Rams rally looked like people waiting for the bus. Yeah, like, yeah. Is this, terrible. Uh, terrible. It's going it to be great, here. Uh, great tweet. Summed minute. it up. Is there a football game too? Something I don't know. So the Rams have uh, a bizarre following of people because again, when a team leaves twice, it's like Oakland left Oakland and they went to L.A. and then they went back to Oakland and now they're in L- in, in Las Vegas. You got to wonder about a team's fan base if they're moving around a lot because yeah. they're not being supportive. 
The Rams did the same thing. They left to St. Louis and they go back. And and then you got the Chargers going. Now now LA has they had no football teams. Now they have two and they both kind of have shitty fans. Yeah, because it wasn't they didn't go back to that city and I say back cuz the the Chargers started at Al, at LA back in the AFL days. They didn't go back because there was some like great groundswell of support. It's just a land deal. Like the guy who owns the Rams just owns a prime piece of real estate, and they said, "Hey, right. we can stick this monument to wretched excess there that costs like eight billion dollars and stuff." Like there are half the countries that participate in the Olympics or the Miss Universe pageant aren't worth what this yeah. freaking plot of land is worth. It was just so that they could go shoehorn a Super Bowl into this place where nobody cares. So that lots of people can make money. And whenever you have two teams from the same sport in a big metropolitan area, one of them is always for shit. Like the the Boston Braves, you know, they had some good moments, but they were gone because the Red Sox wouldn't allow it. Uh, in Chicago, the Cubs are number one. The White Sox, are, you know, second-class citizens. In L.A., the basketball teams, the Clippers, they're never going to have any Laker, uh, you know. Competition for fans. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. Always, it's always going to be a Laker town. I, the only exception is New York. Well, really, you think the Mets are ever going to conquer the Yankees? City? Uh, what do you? What, which team are you talking about? The, I, I guess in football, it would be the only. Like, Jets? There's there's a pretty good Jets Giants split. Except the Giants are the only ones that have been since 1969. Since yeah, but a lot of those old Jets fans, those old douchebags, their carryovers from you know, Joe fun, Namath. Fun fact: I saw a couple of years ago there was a map that someone did of by counties what every market's favorite team was football team in mm-hmm. the United States and the Jets didn't have a single county. Really? Right. Like they're, they they hey. might be 40 51 uh. in some places of like Long Island or whatever yeah. but they really didn't capture and he said you know they were like the second best politician in their <laughs> district and they don't win any electoral votes or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, nothing. It couldn't, couldn't happen to a, a better one but you know I know when the Pats played at the Chargers like they had to ask people, like, don't, you know, come on, come out and support the team. The same thing happened uh, when they were in San Diego. I remember uh, 2014 it was, Vince Wilfork saying it was like a home game. Like, yeah, we yeah. had no idea what was, right. why, why, like, there was so many people in the stands. And I realized they're all from New England. So so who's so who's going to win the Super Bowl? Let's, let's get this on the record. Uh, you know, do you, do you think you your, know? Your opinion is as is as good as mine. I think I'm. All right. I'm, I'm fine with either team. Like it's the Vikings. It's it's it's, <laughs> it's 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 great to just be able to relax and just let it kind of wash over you because there's nobody I particularly hate or or love. Joe Burrow would be really cool to see him win. I I like Sean McVay not just because um, he looks like Hank Scorpio from The Simpsons <laughs> or that his wife is a ten. An absolute 10. And if you say there's no 10s, fine. Then we're going to have to break the scale to make her a 10 and, and move it up to 11. Um, but also, remember b- before the Super Bowl, the cameras caught him, like, totally doing the Chris Farley show to Belichick. It was like, remember that time when you beat the uh, Falcons? You were down 28-3. to three? That was awesome. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah. So I, I always appreciate a guy who's willing to, like, you know, bend his front legs down and lower his head and put his tail between his legs in front of the alpha like know your place kid so right. do you think bill did that when he was a young coach when he he's a young defensive coordinator with the giants nah. and they go up against the cowboys and nah. landry's across the way maybe nah. by then he was feeling it but i bet when he was at detroit you know with when the he was colts like the under ted marsha bro yeah when he was getting coffee for ted marsha bro for 15 <laughs> bucks a week i'm sure he was like yes sir whatever whatever yeah, like yeah, to sir. do but but then he learned to just you know everyone's my enemy and i'm going to sit on a throne on top of pyramid of skulls of everyone who ever wronged me. To go back and actually answer your question, what the was Rams. the question I had? I don't remember. You asked us who was going to win the Super Bowl. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> that. You think the Rams? I had the Rams making the Super Bowl before the season. I, I had it Rams Chiefs Super Bowl yeah, yeah, right. before the yeah, season. Sure you did. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm sure you had that call. Are you sure you had it right? Sure. I'm picking the Rams. I think the Rams going to do it. You know, yeah, they, they I, do I have, they have the greatest helmets in the history of the NFL. Well, oh, let's yeah. face it. They're they're a well-rounded team. The Bengals 
aren't a really tremendously well-rounded team, and I think the defensive line of the Rams is going to get through that offensive line and make hell for Burrow. So I think the Rams are going to win. Yeah. Now, here's a little Rams trivia for you. Oh, yeah. you, you remember uh, uh, Hugh Millen's girlfriend, Elisa Guerrero? Oh, yeah. Yeah. She, she was to, a lot of people's girlfriends. She was the uh, – yeah. Yeah, she was. I had lunch, I actually had Patriots, lunch with her. Yeah, former head of the Patriots cheerleaders. Yes, she I was. Recall, and yeah. before that, she was the head of the uh, the Rams cheerleaders. This is why I, <laughs> why I bring it up. Yes. And she told me, I went to lunch with her in Cambridge one day, at the Cambridge Side Gallery, and she was a sweetheart. I was actually trying to borrow her, her car and her you underpants. So she <laughs> Sbarro's at the gallery. I said, well, what were the Rams cheerleaders called? She said, we, the, we were called the Embraceable U's. Uh, wow. Isn't that cute? Use. Yeah, you love that it. shit. I said, boy, you're a sheep date. Oh. I'd like, oh. oh. I'd like to pull the wool over your eyes. I think hey. <laughs> oh, I'd like to ram you. They should have only had a couple of them and called them these two U's. <laughs> What's a you? What? No, but she was, uh, you know, and then of course she was in Playboy. After that, I couldn't talk to her anymore because I was embarrassed. Well, I remember I, she was for a, like one or two years the sideline reporter yes. at Monday Night Football, mm-hmm. yeah. and they replaced her with Eric Dickerson. And I remember thinking, like, if you want to get Eric, <laughs> an unembraceable you, yeah, <laughs> if you want to get his opinions, great. <laughs> But why can't you just show us an image of Lisa Her. Guerrero while he's talking? While he's talking, yeah. Yeah, yeah but Eric Dickerson gave us the most unintentional comedy of all time. They are great YouTube compilation clips. Just look for Eric Dickerson in the rain with the umbrella. You'll laugh your ass off for five straight minutes. It's really? unbelievable, yes. Did, yeah, he was he, so painfully bad at it. Did he, did he ever give you... A useful piece of information. No, no, no. A guy no, ran no, no. for two thousand yards, but did he understand the game? And yeah. no, but uh, unlike least, Greg Dickerson, yeah. who, who always had good information yeah. coming spewing from his yeah. mouth. Greg, yep. how's he doing? Anyone know? I haven't talked to him in a while. No, not, not aware. Always, always enjoyed working with him. You're a good guy. Not as much good, as I enjoyed guy. working with present company, but you know, <laughs> the, who could do that? Let's get him on the podcast. Let's get him in. Yeah, let's get him in. You know, I saw a tweet. He said he was thinking of doing his own podcast. Well, come on, ours first. Sure. Um, so the Patriots, okay, I got Thornton here. I got to ask him a couple of football questions. Football First questions? All, the Flores mess with uh, the Miami Dolphins and the, uh, the you know, the, the Rooney rule and all that stuff. Where, what do you, where do you come down on that? All right, I'm going with the theory. Now, while it's plausible that mm-hmm. perhaps Belichick did, in fact, make a mistake, because we know he's, he, he couldn't program his car clock. You know, he doesn't understand social media. He's always calling it, you know, ah, everyone's going on you face and Insta face and Pandorama or whatever. I, I'm going with the theory that that text that he sent to, to, to Flores was intentional. It was to destroy two division rivals, right? Because the right. Dolphins and the Bills, and he throws the Giants in there because that's still a grudge that hasn't uh, gone over. He right. loves so, yeah. the Giants. Uh, you know, he's been on the business end of the point, yeah. the pointy end of the pitchfork against them twice. And they crushed, they the crushed all our dreams. Yeah, but he, he, so, it's also a shot at the NFL as, a, as yeah. an organization. As and they, they just fired his buddy Joe Judge, who's now back in the fold. Yet another prodigal son who goes, blows up another franchise, completes his mission, and then comes back to Foxborough, which he's, he's done a lot now. And I think it was all just this diabolical plot to just mess with uh, with, with everyone. Yeah. No, it sounds like a bad Star Wars plot thread. Everything co- that has transpired has done so according to my so design. Belichick is Emperor Palpatine. Absolutely, always has been. <laughs> and Palpatine, we now know, is Ray's girlfriend. So he was what? he was getting his... Uh, Ray's girlfriend? Did I say girlfriend? I'm yeah, sorry. I'm sorry. very odd. Yeah, that, uh, that was a Freudian slip. No, his her grandfather. So he was getting busy even after he got like force lightning by Mace Windu. But my question is, if if somebody you if had they no had idea this, what we were talking about, I, no. I, 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 I did. My, did you see my eyes just blur. We were blur talking off? about Star Wars, not no, Star no, no, no. Wars. You know how eyes glaze over sometimes. Mine turned into plaid, you know? <laughs> like spaceballs, scotch tape all over. So here's the thing: if you have a rule that says you must interview X amount of, or for every time you do an interview, you must interview uh, a black p- potential head coach, isn't that kind of like just a racist policy? I say, well, we in order in order for this to even itself out and be fair and be equitable, you have to do it this way. It's like a, a affirmative action move or something. I don't understand it because I would think that if people want to win, if the coach is a great coach and a great uh, in, uh, inspirer of human beings, shouldn't matter. Yep, 
then you're going to want that guy. I don't care who he, who, who, what he looks like or what color his skin is, right? Huh? But they make this rule so that now the pressure's on the franchise. Oh, well, who are we going to interview that's, that's, that's up for a job? The black guy. we got to have it or we're going to get in trouble. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me. Well, I can maybe see the logic behind saying, you know, if we give these guys a, a chance to sit down in that room and get interviewed, you know, that... You get experience from every interview. It's like sales. You know what I mean? Every no will eventually lead to a yes Yes. or whatever. Um, But we we all know the way the real world works. Mm -hmm. And by having this rule, well-intentioned and and maybe beneficial, though it it is, you're going to end up with what Flores is saying, which is he got sham interviews. Yeah. His term, not mine. Which is true. Because yep. the sham interview is set up for, for the purposes of the, leg- the, the rules. And it, to me, it's like, that's not the reason you want to hire somebody. You want to hire the guy you think is going to be the best coach for your team, no matter what. Right? Well, it's, it's, it's like w- when you hire well wide in- receivers, you don't, you don't say, okay, is he black or is he white? You just mm-hmm. take Belichick the black guy. might say that. But um, <laughs> it, it's well-intentioned, and it's, it's supposed to be temporary. It's really supposed to be temporary. It's well-intentioned in the fact that we want to, like – create more diversity, inspire more diversity, because it's kind of weird that, you know, the best athletes and the guys who were always thought of as the best at this sport were black guys, yet a black guy can't coach a team until 1988? That's kind of fucking weird. Well, they, they didn't and have, it's kind of weird that... They didn't have a resume they, that equipped them for it prior to 1988. There weren't guys that had experience in, in their college or the... Well, the best guys who ever played it were black. Jim Brown, black guy, the right. best... And, and I'm ever, talking about pre-Tom Brady. Like, everyone who was thought of as the best player was black. Right. And it's kind of weird that... The best player can't coach them? Like, it, it, the point being is it's just to create more diversity within it when yeah. there's half, more than half the league is black, and it's kind of weird that half, more than half the players can be black, yet none of them can be coaches? Yeah, and I think it's, a, it's fair, and, but, too, to say that you look at ownership and how many of these guys are lucky spermers or old Piece of shits like that guy Jerry Richardson it's who all pieces owned of it. shit, not uh, piece of shit. Piece of, piece of <laughs> shit so you know. is a okay. Yeah. Jesus, you, know Jerry. Uh, you know what? Right now, Mrs. Driscoll, my ninth grade English teacher, <laughs> is clawing her me. way out of the grave yeah, to come say, admonish she's, me. She's that. very dead. Right. Like there is right. a there is a beehive hairdo and some bony uh, <laughs> arms where bingo flaps used to hang from. Call her and she's get her over uh, here. Oh no, she's she she died a few years ago at the age get of one hundred and twenty three. Um. Two roads diverge in the yellow wood, Mrs. Driscoll. But, um, you know, you see how many of these owners are just shitbags. And, like, all right, I'll give you an example. Uh, Cam Newton gets drafted 2011, and Jerry Richardson, the owner of the team, gives him this lecture about, you're representing the team, so we don't want any tattoos and piercings and don't want you act. Like, basically, just basically, you know, said, I want you to act as much like me as possible. Don't be yourself. It was like, what? Who Who are you? And we found out that guy was a complete, like, creepy, lecherous scumbag. But he's a billionaire. Yeah. And so I, if, if you go by the logic of a lot of NFL owners out of the 32 are shitty people. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm with that. And yeah, probably sure. some racists among them and whatever. But universally, they want to win. And, you know, it's, if you take the same thing and apply it to baseball, the best players in baseball – over the history, they weren't the best managers ever. Yeah, the he, best managers were the guys who sat on the bench. They were the backup catchers, you know, and the and the bench warmers. It's a different skill set, different interests. I think. Well, and, and when it comes to coaching, again, if you get all the way to 1988, you know, at, at some point these sports t- would, would catch up as far as their personnel. I think uh, the NFL is eight, 61 to 70 percent black mm-hmm. play, uh, black players. Th- that's it commensurate with what, whatever you want to put on the field, but. And baseball's been doing this for years and years, taking people from all different countries and trying the best guy you get for the job gets the job. But when it comes to managing, if you look through the list of managers, most successful managers, they largely weren't stars as players. True. That's, so that's, that's, I don't know that the, the logic of because they play no, the no, game no, no, well, no, 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 that no. they should be able to coach it well. Yeah, but they weren't. nobody was getting opportunities. That's the point. Nobody, nobody was getting the opportunity. And when you look at the fact that, hey, the, the best guys that are doing this are black, but we, we can't trust them to coach. It was that mindset. Same thing with quarterbacks. And there were yeah. No black quarterbacks. It took a long time for these weird, outdated well, notions. Kickers. I mean, where's, the, sure. where's the last guy that kicked field goals that was black? I, uh, I mean, there's a couple in the league right now, but for years— 
du- uh, you know, decade after decade after yeah. decade after. And decade, what happened to none. fullbacks? They used to have fullbacks in the NFL. Uh, and you I, know what? The the passing rules Sam got Gash. opened up, and somebody had to go. You're adding a wide receiver <laughs> to virtually every down, so you're gonna get rid of. Yeah. You know, my my last guy was uh, James Devlin, Jimmy Neckroll, and I, I I'm okay with Jakob Johnson, the, yeah. the German. I'm sure your German sure. audience, your voluminous audience, well, he is our German one, audience. You got that one yeah, person. Exactly. It's, it's Jakob but, Johnson. Um, Sorry, you know, I, I I had Michael uh, Holly on my uh, do your pod. That's my podcast. Yep. W E I and everywhere you can find podcasts. I've been on that podcast, and, and he reminded me that we had a I conversation haven't. on the air where I was like, <laughs> are, "Are we still on the?" the black quarterback thing, is that still a conversation or can we just look around the league and say there's lots of them, there's lots of successful ones or are we still like judging like, well, this is a historic moment because right. such and such a black quarterback. Yeah. And he, he reminded me like, you know, it's still a conversation and right. he had examples of it. I'm like, because you know when the first black quarterback and the first black head coach were in the NFL? The 80? 1920s. Fritz Pollard. Yeah. Wow. Remember two years last year, Belichick was wearing like a Fritz Pollard's name on his on his really sweatshirt or whatever. So yeah, that's the I have I, like Fritz, the, Fritz the Cat underpants from the from the seventies. <laughs> different, different person. Yeah, no, wasn't the did you show Fritz the Cat movies yes. at the uh, yeah, theater yeah, we, that we you used we to manage? We showed every yeah. X-rated movie you could ever imagine <laughs> at the um, at the Manchester Twin Cinema, <laughs> New England's number one adult mo- motion picture theater house. Oh, Mikey. I'm yeah. still going to write that screenplay. I'm telling you right now. There's a there is a <laughs> HBO series in this. It, people used to come in. They said they'd say, "Do you have popcorn?" And we we'd say, "Of course we do." And they'd go, <laughs> they were so, <laughs> "So surprised." I'm telling you, Goodfellas meets Boogie Nights. Yeah. Meets. I don't. Uh, yeah. There, there's a. It was the 70s, right? Yeah. So it sure was. Yeah. Well, into the 80s. It. It. it, it it's Ron Burgundy because you were on TV <laughs> at was, the time. That's. Yeah. That's my elevator right. pitch. Meets private parts. You need that other element because at the same time he's doing all that, he's on right. TV. He's had, he had a radio mm-hmm. career well, at the same I, time. When I replaced Howard Stern in 1980, I had that movie theater. When I when I went on Channel Three in Hartford as the sports anchor, uh, I I had that. I had that movie theater, and uh, you know it was uh, and it was a glorious era, great time to be alive. And there are multiple stories, none of which they're they're, all, they're far too long. These stories. Who did Debbie do in the sequel? De- Debbie does Dallas. Yeah, the sequel. Oh, uh, she did Denver. Mm. Debbie does Denver. I don't <laughs> yeah, know. that was a I mean, real last. Yeah, that was. You know what? That just felt like a money grab. Nobody ever watched them. <laughs> nobody ever watched them. The plots didn't matter, except for Garage Girls. That was a great porn flick. Uh, all the lube and stuff in it. Um, so now, I'd like to change the subject just briefly. Have you seen the Nurex commercial? Nurex. Nurex. Have you seen it on TV? It's on incessantly. What is, is that? A, it's a birth it, control for women. Nurex. N U R X. I have seen the ad. Yes. They tend to repeat. They play the ad, fifteen second ad, whatever. Then they play the same fifteen second ad right after. It's like, did you get the message the first time? No. Yep. Well, here it is again. Yep. And they shove this Nurex commercial at you. Now it's called Debbie Does Dallas Part Two. Oh, of course. And then course. part three, the final chapter, because <laughs> there was still parts of that story that they hadn't really had to uh, drill, drill down on. Yeah, there was so many, <laughs> so many loose ends. But if you didn't see the first two, no. the third one is just and a confused of course, her, her career wound down as soon as she got less photogenic. And the last one she did was Debbie Does Dealey Plaza. Oh, was the, the only one that she, no one ever saw. Um, Norex. Yeah, now, there was a second gunman in that one, as I recall. <laughs> he was on the grassy knoll. There's a shooter anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, you remember the you remember the commercials about uh, with, with Michael Jordan and Larry Bird? You know, uh, off the backboard, through the hood, uh, yeah. into the thing. All these crazy shots. Do you know what Lee Harvey Oswald? Uh, Said to Michael Jordan, the grassy no. Oh no! What uh, what did he say? He said, "Out the window, through through the knoll, through the governor, nothing but neck." <laughs> I'm sorry. Back to Norex. Back. They to have the these people on these commercials, and I'm thinking, as I'm looking at them, with all due respect. These women talking about birth control, and one of them says, oh, I just got it sent right to my house. And she was hideous. And then the other one goes, oh, the old-fashioned way of getting, standing in line. And, that, and this lady had, like, nose rings and eye, eyebrow rings and, and a, hair, a hair, a bandana on, and she was wearing a thick flannel shirt. And I'm a thinking, trendy woman. 
I said, what, what do you need birth control for? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> seriously. I mean, do you, I know you're kidding because there she is. Look, there's the woman with a flannel shirt right there. <laughs> Going to the doctor is... Oh, play it, yeah. Ugh, the old way of getting birth control. That's right, yeah. Like, you need it. And they got to call Ugh. the pharmacy, and then the pharmacy's got to call oh, you. Yeah. I first saw Narex okay. on Instagram, and I thought there's, there's a no way to be hundred guys every weekend that want to bang takes me. takes my insurance, and my pills are free. You can do the pill, Look at her. the ring, the patch, the shot. Pigolino. They, they have the shot. Oh, really? <laughs> Signing up for Narex was amazingly easy. Yeah. It came oh, right yeah. to my door, and the shipping was free. Oh, yeah. It's pretty much the so, best. Yeah, the one of the flannels uh, method of birth control is to run up at you in the store and scream at you for not wearing a mask. <laughs> All she has to do is appear in front of you. That's her. Karen. But my point on this thing is, why do they keep jamming this thing down our throats over and over again? I see these commercials. I, I, Big Pharma trying to sell stuff. But uh, what? Well, so, just you do it privately. Do this somewhere else. Talk yeah, you know, amongst you, yourselves. Well, you jam enough things down enough throats, you don't need birth control. Mm, oh, that's so, a very good all right, point. Well, I'm just going to leave right now. Uh, our, <laughs> our method of birth control at our house was me taking my shirt off. Like that. Okay. Well, that killed that mood. It's Come like on, lights man. are on. During the pandemic, my wife said to me, you know, we're in, we're in the house. She said, why aren't you wearing your mask? I said, I'm, I'm in my house. She said, have you looked in a mirror lately? Oh, that's And cold. she meant it. That's oh, cold. Okay. By the way, I am all still in favor of a mask mandate if you go to a formal wear orgy in a mansion. Like that. <laughs> yeah. Right, I, right, I, right. I prefer the kind with the feathers coming out of the eye, yeah. eye holes. But, you know, how, with a good password or something? Yes, exactly. Whatever you Maybe want. Maybe Fidelio? Yeah, whatever your type of mask is. But uh, you take those off and the whole party just gets ruined. Bingo. I agree. What about Nicole Kidman getting banged by a sailor? Yes, that, that that's a part of every master orgy in a mansion. I think she liked it. Can we play that song? Uh, what do you do with a drunken sailor? Just for I mean, just, I just I mean, I like to musically break things up a little uh, bit. There's a while. Dropkick Murphys version of that, I believe. I, I like the old school actual pirate singers. Sure, okay. You know, uh, standing on the poop deck, <laughs> taking a poop. What do you do with a drunken sailor? What do you do with a drunken sailor? What do you do with a drunken sailor? Shove it up his asshole. This is my favorite part. Shave his belly with a rusty razor. Ready? Shave his belly with a rusty razor. These aren't real putters. Get him out of here. It comes up later. There are many different versions. I like how they say early in the morning. Uh, The Olympic... uh, Boycott I've, I'm involved in is means I don't watch one second of this year's Olympics. Not one second. Not a second. Of those games. Nope. Huh? And if the highlights come on, I don't want to know. I don't want to know why this girl crashed and, and broke her butt cheeks on the ice uh, trying to do a double sow cow. Last time I tried to do a double sow cow, you the uh, animal rights organizations were at my house. And boy, were they pissed. But I, I haven't watched one second. Have you? Yes. You're not alone, by the way. The the year, like Olympics to Olympics, I want to say four years ago, mm-hmm. it, the opening ceremonies had like 40 million viewers in America. Yeah. And then last year at uh, Tokyo, it was like 28 million, a huge drop off. This year, it was like 12 million, yeah. like like a disastrous drop off. And, now, what do you uh, my, suppose my, that is? My what? Irish Rose's number one sport is figure skating. I like figure skating unironically. I've written about it twice already, so I, there's no avoiding it. There's no avoiding it. Would I, you I, ever I, have thought that, knowing Jerry Thornton as well as we know him, that, that that would be something he actually wrote about at one point? Oh, you know what? It, it cheeses off our... Uh, audience to no end, which is why I love to do it. So Nathan <laughs> Chen, the American, set a record in the short program. Yeah. And so I wrote this thing comparing him to uh, Rocky and Rocky Four, like going into a hostile territory in a dead of winter in a communist country where everyone's against him, and he summoned the courage to come up, you know, and that's just like, hey, it just, it just infuriates tri- Random uh, figure skating trivia. Okay. I'm the only guy in this in this room right here. All right, go ahead. Who, You're on. Who's ever kissed Nancy Kerrigan? Okay, seriously. I think you meant to say kneecapped. No. <laughs> I, the, you think I whacked her in the leg? The only leg you I've ever... You look suspiciously the, like a Galuli. You on. would, yeah. The only leg I've ever whacked was the, my middle leg. You kissed Nancy Kerrigan on the knee? <laughs> on the on the face. Oh, I see. 
On the knee. Well, what are you crazy? That's a... <coughs> no. Now it's after you kissed her. Was she going? Why? Yeah. Why? <laughs> See, Nancy Kerrigan is lovely, but at that time, I remember thinking I have more of a, an attraction to. Tanya Hardy. Yes. Because she gave you that vibe that, like, say you were in school with her. Yeah. She was just as likely to make out with you in the hallway as beat you up and take your lunch money. And <laughs> well, both had appeal. Yeah. The, the, Different sorts of appeal, but the, you would take either one of them. You know you could sleep with her, but she might burn your house down. The, the bad <laughs> thing about about Tanya Harding is that even when she was young now in particular, you, you don't know if you squeeze her too hard if she's going to ooze pus. You know, oh because she's that she's that much of a piece of oh. trailer. The greatest thing that ever happened to her was Margot Robbie playing her. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Like she should have won the Oscar just for passably S- being able to convince likeable? people. Make me suspend disbelief long enough to think <laughs> you could possibly yeah. beat Tonya Harding. Right. To make uh, me forget that I brought up pus in the same sentence. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's just disgusting. We wanted to ignore that. So no, but Nancy Kerrigan. Yeah. I did a live shot. See, here's what happened was. She was in her stranded in her house. She couldn't leave her house because the media was on her front lawn after she got the whacking from uh, Tanya Harding, right? Yeah. And it was the biggest before OJ, it was the biggest story oh, ever. Yeah. Huge. So I did fake live shots in front of a green screen, the weatherboard. I made with a picture of her house behind me, like I'm and I was Bob Smithers. Uh, this is Bob Smithers reporting from the Carrigan's front lawn again, and so far no one's come out, and it still looks the same. A couple of leaves have blown by, you know. We just make, it, and I do them every ten minutes. Updates from Nancy Kerrigan's, and it was all phony. She called into the show. She, her, her and her family were sitting there watching. Bob Smithers doing these fake reports. <laughs> they, they thought it was funny, so she called in, and yeah. it, it was like a huge coup for us to get to talk to her. That's cool. So then I saw her at a bar. I, was, I don't know which one it was, but down in Boston. And we all, oh, hey, a hug and a kiss. And I was like, ah, oh, Nancy Kerrigan. Thank God it wasn't Tanya Harding. <laughs> you but, know, that, that was like a story that today, if you didn't live it, you have no idea how big it was. What What's her name? Uh the, the the anchor was married to Mari Povich. Uh, I should know her name. Oh, Chen, uh, uh, Chen Chung. Uh, Chung. Yeah, Connie, Connie Chung, Chung yeah. was doing the network newscasts from the mall <laughs> in Oregon State where Tanya Harding was training. Like, it was a mall. Like, you go to, like, <laughs> The Gap and then to Hot Pot Topic and then walk over and watch her train. And they did the no- – like – in the economy today, the stock market took a tumble, and this Tanya Harding yeah. skating behind her was <laughs> right. surreal. And everybody, because we're all so stupid and we were no smarter <laughs> then, people thought that Nancy Kerrigan was like this princess and privileged, and she had life so easy. Her father was working like three jobs in order yeah. to keep her like being in, in, in skating. Like he was just a working class guy, stone. Just a regular him. guy in stone. Stone. Yeah. Yep. There we go. And that's where I did my life. My Bob did. <laughs> Hey, you know, nice it's like, people? oh, more on that nuclear attack from China, but first this update on what's going on with Nancy <laughs> Kerrigan and uh, Tanya Hardy. That was honestly the biggest story ever. And that, that story got completely blown away once O.J. killed those two people yeah. in June of, of 94. Remember the uh, the Olympics where Tanya finally gets out to skate there, and it, and the whole world is sick of this and the, uh, want no part of the Americans, and she goes out to skate and she broke her skate lace, and mm-hmm. she goes over to the judges, and it's in the movie. They do a great She's version. Crying. I'd be like, like her, her kabuki makeup is all streaming <laughs> down her face or whatever, and they Tim let Faye her Baker. go fit. Rather than tell her, well, go piss up a rope, honey. You missed your chance. Yeah. They go, all right, we're not dealing with this. Go fix it. And they took the next one. Oh, my gosh, I shouldn't know this. It was Jose Schwinard from Canada. Jose. She had to suddenly go on. It was like being a comic and you're, you're waiting for your turn and you're not ready yet. They go, you, now. You know, like, what? <laughs> Dude, and yeah. so she didn't skate nearly as well as she would have. And then Tanya gets to go out there. And Kerrigan came in second. The Irish Rose, again, still can't get over the fact. <laughs> How did she, you know the figure skater that had to, you know, bump up her yeah. spot. To re- How did you know she, that? She lost again? Nancy, uh, Jose Schwinard. <laughs> and, and, and Nancy ended up losing to Oksana Bayul oh. from oh. Ukraine, who didn't skate all the way. And the, I always hear, she just threw in a jump at the end. I'm like, oh, that means what to me? I don't know. But yeah. Nancy should have won, but didn't only because yeah. she got... Piped I tell by you though, maybe I, Mikey Adams. I would Oksana. I, I would Oksana her by Yule any day. You know what I'm saying? I really would, and I'm not kidding you. Um, <laughs> I want, can I tell you a quick Jeff Torborg story? Because there, there will be no others. Jeff, 
you guys saw it. You guys, honestly, the Jeff Torborg story. No. He, have you ever had any, had any Jeff Torborg stories? No. Did he have to um, move up his skating? Uh, no. This is nothing to do with skating. To, okay. All right. Great. Nothing to do with skating whatsoever. But if you Google Jeff Torborg, you're going to find out that he had uh, uh, an impact on Major League Baseball history in several forms. Now, Jeffrey Tambor? No. Torborg. Sorry. <laughs> former catcher for the White Sox, the Dodgers, manager of the White Sox. Remember Jeff Torborg? Absolutely. All right. So this will be the final, and I will say this now uh, unabashedly, the final Jeff Torborg story I'll ever tell on this podcast. Thank God. I'm in the elevator at Fenway Park. Fenway, or as Yaz used to say, Fenway Park. We go, I'm at the elevator, and here's Jeff Torborg comes walking off. And mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I, I'm baseball card collectors can recognize people's faces. This isn't as good as the Dave Justy story. No, that was good. But this is, he walks off the elevator and says, oh, Jeff Torborg. He goes, how you doing? I go, you caught one of Sandy Koufax's no-hitters. You know, <laughs> he looks at me, he stops, taps me in the chest, smiles, goes, Perfect game, and don't you forget it. <laughs> <laughs> and he walks away, and I'm thinking, I, I never will forget that now. Yeah. I think he caught three or four no-hitters in the major leagues. I think Veritech still holds the record. With four. With four. Yeah. So maybe Torborg caught three. He, but he caught Sandy Koufax's perfect game. So now Koufax was one of these guys who could have a perfect game any night. He, he looked like he could with his stuff. So I ran into Dolph Camilli. This will be the last Dolph Camilli story you'll ever hear on this podcast. <laughs> Dolph, son of Hall of Famer Doug Camilli. I mean, no, I'm sorry. I ran into Doug Camilli, son of Dolph, who's in Hall of Famer. Doug was a backup catcher. Terrible. Couldn't hit. But he caught another of Sandy Koufax's no-hitters. So Doug Camilli's down at the Red Sox fantasy camp, you know. He's a guy, you know, dancing out, kind of a dumbass, nice guy. I walk up to him, I go, ah, Doug Camilli, you caught one of Sandy Koufax's no-hitters. He says, that was the easiest thing I ever did. I said, what do you mean? He said, I just put down number one or number two, they couldn't hit neither of them. <laughs> he was so funny. And I thought, that's his claim to fame. You know, and with Jeff Torborg, he was a manager, and he had other claims to fame. But catching, he wanted to make sure I knew it wasn't a no hitter. It was a perfect yeah, don't game. S- don't sell Jeff Torborg short. Loved it, or you're going to get you know knuckle sandwich courtesy right. of Jeff Torborg. <laughs> I mean, people ask me, "What's your claim to fame?" Mine, I don't, I don't know. You know, yeah. it was 14 inch uh, uh, vertical <laughs> vertical leap. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, I don't, I don't really have one. It's a claim to shame. It's like oh, I replaced Howard Stern. Oh yeah, and his career shit the bed, and look at mine. And you know, it took off like a rocket. It doesn't matter. It's just these little inter, inter things that you bump into in your lifetime that can change your life. You know, and I'm not. You know, managing a porn theater is a pretty good claim to fame. Yeah. Well, Although I had, it's, I mean, no, no, you're not no, no. famous for that. Though, New so. England's number one. See, that's like me saying uh, no hitter when it was a perfect game. Exactly. Left that out. Not that many people have had dinner with Marilyn Chambers, right? Tell us that story. Oh. Did you guys eat out? I beg your pardon? So, <laughs> I did have dinner with Marilyn Chambers and Bridget Monet. Bridget. Ah, yeah. yes. Uh, yes. Bridget Moynihan? No, Bridget Monet, even better. Give us the lowdown on that. No, one. I can't get I can't get into any of these details because you this is a this is an R rated, not X rated. Oh. Uh, anyway. Lock What's your yourself, claim to fame? Locking yourself in the WEI studio? Could that, nah, that was that, a, that was a, a stunt. Was a Fugazi. <laughs> what is what is my claim to fame, I think? Yeah. Maybe it's the time I met figure skating legends Johnny Weir and Tara Lipinski at the uh, Super Bowl. Same time? Yeah, they were working together for to NBC. dream threesome. Yeah, yeah, it was odd. which Super Bowl? Uh, Forty nine, the one against Seattle in Phoenix. I was out there for EI, and they were there at media were. day. And I grabbed them and I fanboyed the hell out of them. Uh, I yeah. I made a complete fool of and myself. That's not even the thing I remember about that Super Bowl involving you. Yeah, I know you're going with that. <laughs> oh, there's more to that working story. with Ben Kitchen is maybe my claim to fame. No, I would say having Belichick say. It's an honor to meet you, Jerry. See, oh, I love Belichick. That, that's a and then when he asked you to sign the book, yeah, that's one I've got a lot of. Not only did he at. ask you to sign the book, he left the room, went back, made sure he got the appropriate marker for you to sign it with. 
Which which yes. which book was that? It was my first one. Yeah. So we were broadcasting from the stadium, and uh, the Irish Rose said, "Why don't you bring him a copy?" I go, "Ah, right, but what if what if I give it to him and it's weird and awkward? He doesn't want it." She's like, "Oh, give it a try anyway." So yeah. it was one of these days. I don't know if you heard this about him, but sometimes he can be persnickety. Hmm. Today, that day, he happened to be a little cranky pants. It was like a maybe a dad, bad day of practice or whatever. Yeah. And, um, you know, monosyllabic answers and stuff. And I just said, you know, I didn't come this far just to come this far. So I offered him the copy. I go, hey, look, it's about it's about the Patriots and you're in it. Uh, you That's win the Super Bowl. Yeah, I surprise. Yeah, spoiler alert. And he, his whole demeanor changed. Like, wow, this is great. Congratulations. Oh, I'm really happy for you. Thanks, Bill. Take it yeah. with my compliments. And like Ben said, he left the room. He had to run off to his... Uh, Press conference in two minutes, maybe later, he came back yep. in and said, "See, while we're on air, he never gave a shit if we were actually on air. He would just walk in and talk to whomever." Yeah, yeah, I loved it about him. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Sometimes we had to like shoo him out of the studio, like the commercial <laughs> break is over. It's like, all right, chatty Kathy, blah blah blah, let's go. You know? <laughs> off, off with you now. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's so. all depending on, on the mood. But I, I'm a I'm a gigantic, huge Belichick devotee. Is that the right word? Devote is good. Yeah. Perfect. It's not bad. It's French, isn't it? Do you think uh, Brady's going to come back? Nah, I think he just was one of those vague answers you give. When, once you write that you need to be 100% committed and he's not 100% committed, yeah. it's hard to flip that switch back on. If you've ever given notice at a job, mm. you know how I know, hard I, it is I, I wait till they to fire raise me. the slightest bit of give a shit yeah. in your in your soul. And I No, I, that's two weeks of nothing getting done. Yeah, exactly. Right. And I, I mean... When I gave notice to you, <laughs> yeah. nothing got done. No, Did you give notice good. to Ben instead of to the upper uh, management people? Yeah, he made me go do it for him. <laughs> no, so pain did, in the he, ass. He did with my this guy. We had an arrangement where he pretty much I treated him like he was my Mister Belvedere. Right? Like you know what <laughs> I mean? Like he wore a tux yeah. and he. But served I had me. a theme song, so it worked. Out. Yeah. When I got when do you know that Mister Belvedere once um. They had to stop production because he sat on his balls. Yes, I was. My favorite story. Favorite. Got to put the seat down first. Favorite story ever. That's a great Norm Macdonald, Artie Lang one. Well, when when Pussy (laughs) Phil uh, Zachary fired, you know, fired me, it was on a telephone. Said his full name on the phone. Really, I I didn't know it was on the phone. Pussy Pussy Face Phil Zachary. So when he fired me on the phone, I hung up, and the first thing I did was I, I called Minahan, and I said, "Is this true?" (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah. You fucker. Anyway, um, the uh, meta rapists is a term, you, term you've never heard before. It, it was in the news yesterday. Oh. Meta rapists. Mm. You know that new meta uh, Mark uh, Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg the, the thing? Facebook thing? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the metaverse. Well, yeah. Well, apparently some woman went into the metaverse and there was two guys there and the two meta guys that started molesting her. Really? Or molesting her. Meta-molesting. Yes. And now she's all freaked out by because these two guys came over and they were doing like humping her or something and grabbing her boobs. I don't know what they were doing. But she's all freaked out because... But in the metaverse. In the metaverse, right. Not in real... Yeah. Can you imagine? No, it's like... You go in there, somebody starts screwing around with you, pulling your pants off you or something. This is, see, this is what Mark Zuckerberg didn't know. Yeah. He's going to get into this whole big thing. There's going to be sure he going to be know. meta lawsuits. Are you sure this is not okay. his little well, wet dream? Right. He never she, could have anticipated no. that never. people would take this new technology that you can use to interact with other human beings and do it in the worst way possible. Like <laughs> right. As soon as they started doing Zoom calls everywhere, like, we're going to have a school committee meeting with Zoom calls. Right. Like, we're we're going to have town council with Zoom calls, sure. they said, all right, how many dicks will we hear about in the first day? And it was thousands of dicks. How could he have not assumed this would happen? You remember the game The Sims? Yeah, came out yeah, like 20 years yeah. ago, 25 years yeah. ago. What was like the first thing that people hacked into The Sims to do? To, to make, take their clothes off. Right, make weird like, Figure out so. how to take their clothes off. How could you not assume that this is going to be one of the first things people, how to figure out how to be like naked and fuck in the metaverse? Remember Chat Roulette? Which started off Remember. as you know, you trying to forget. <laughs> just you know, it would scroll through randomly. You'd get on your camera, and they would just connect you with someone, and you could have a conversation or whatever. And as South Park described it, all right, let's get on chat roulette. Like, eh, that's a penis. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a penis. <laughs> that looks it. Nope, that's a penis. That's a, <laughs> like, that's a donkey penis. And so Zuckerberg decided to rely on the kindness of human beings when it comes to yeah. being anonymous online. Good luck with that. <laughs> and human nature as well. Yeah. Hey, I got some news, uh, a couple news articles here. Did you here. say I, news? I did. 
And now the news. I'm Zerk Minfin. Take it away, Zerk. Go ahead. Uh, You stepped on my in New York. Sorry, go ahead. I'm Zerk Minfin in New York. Take it away, Zerk. You ever work in New York? Uh, No, never worked. I got to tell you something. When you say that on the radio, you say, This is WNEW New York. It sounds so big, but don't ever go there because it fucking sucks. (laughs) I hate New York. I mean, I, I did that stint on Broadway, but no, let's, let's forget about that. I was young. I needed the money. Uh, Biden administration announces a fund for programs that hand out crack pipes to perfect, uh, prevent infection and promote racial equity. Now, I don't know how they tied them. Did you say like, it's to promote racial equity? Yeah, I don't know what it has to do with that. The $30 million grant program will distribute funds to nonprofits and local governments to make drug use safer. And advance racial equity. Included in the grant money is money to purchase safe smoking kits slash supplies for crack. So people don't shoot. You you should smoke the stuff instead of shooting it. And we're going to make that possible for you with taxpayer money. A spokesperson for the HHS said included in these kits would be pipes for users to smoke substances like crack, cocaine, and crystal meth. This is brilliant. What a, what a wonderful idea. <laughs> HHS said that the kits will serve to limit the risk of infection. Typically, users smoke out of glass pipes, which can lead to cuts and sores that become infected. I'm going down and get myself a new crack pipe. Never mind dying, you know, from the use of the drug. You could get a so- uh, You could get an infection. Oh, yeah. Handing out pipes is also intended to prompt users to smoke rather than inject themselves with some substances like meth, as injection is far riskier. It's against the law, by the way, to sell or distribute drug paraphernalia, including such pipes, unless authorized by state, local, or federal law. But the Biden administration now is giving out money to these nonprofits so they can make sure that they break the law and give out the, the, the drug paraphernalia. paraphernalia but been, who, who supplies the crack in the... Uh, oh, easy. Oh, my company's bidding on that right now. I'm, I've got names. I've got numbers, <laughs> names. That's a different now, story. Can you connect the dot between that and uh, racial equity? Because no. I'm just I'm hearing the story, and I'm and I'm I'm trying to hear Dr. King's dream finally being mm. realized right. in this. Yeah. Someday we will all have a government that gives out crack pipes. I missed that part of the speech. Did, I had a dream. Uh, did Marion Barry write this bill from Beyond the Grave? <laughs> Don't judge us by the color of our skin. Judge us by the content of my crack pipe. I mean, i got to tell you something. This is the stupidest fucking thing I've ever heard in my life for a government to get involved in. Yeah. First of all, and they're making these safe havens for people, places where you can go and shoot and up. Shoot up. Yep. And, and they're right out in the open. I mean, a lot of these places, it's like, come on. Let's let's do the right thing here, you know. So, uh, Claire, though, if you light up a cigarette c- too close to the door of a bar, <laughs> they will beat you to death, exactly. and you'll never find your body. It Trust will never me. be recovered. I know, yeah. I know. It's just so stupid. I don't understand. Okay, now here's another one. So it's always good. government inaction. Is Biden going to give out free IPAs to guys like me? Because that that I would vote for. Well, he doesn't know, but if he did, he'd forget. Oh. California Governor Gavin Newsom signed a bill that will mean the end of the use of gas-powered leaf blowers oh. and lawnmowers in the state of California. Oh, now, hold on a second. Yeah. Imagine. <laughs> Take it to cut, cut the news. No, you've worked hard all day. And, in fact, you've, you put in eight hours, nine hours, all week, every day. Mm-hmm. And you come home, and finally it's Saturday. And you just want to relax. Oops. And so Saturday comes. You get out of bed. Ah, and you're making the coffee. And then it starts. You can hear it in the neighborhood. Hey, that's actually a very good imitation of a lawnmower. Oh, I'm telling you, man. And then when that one dies, the next one kicks in, and this goes on all weekend long. Yeah. It's goddamn long. If they only made them quieter. Well, I understand that, but how— Really? Because I, I have one of the electric lawnmowers and an electric leaf blower, and they're much quieter than the gas ones of oh. the people in my neighborhood. I got, yeah, I got an electric much lawnmower, quieter. and I love that thing. It's really quiet. I can mow at 6 o'clock in the morning and not bother anybody. The problem with them, though, is they don't hold a charge long enough to do your whole lawn. You have to do it halfway through, recharge it again, takes an hour, and then do it again. Mine does, Ben. I get the whole thing done. Well, ben, I've got, got the like kind. bitch yard. I, I've got the— of a man's oh, yard. I've, I've got the electric leaf blower with the cord, and that's can be a royal pain in the ass. But yeah, it's yeah. a million times less yeah. uh, le- less noisy. It's just 
I don't know. To me, like, it's a slippery slope because, yeah, we all want some peace and quiet, but there is nothing in the world more unnecessarily loud than a motorcycle. You know, yeah. there's not one of us that hasn't been close to getting asleep in the summer. You got all the windows open and then, you know, easy about, rider decides to come barreling down your street. And like three o'clock in the morning is even better. Yeah. yeah. In the in, when I am Jerry, the first of the kingdom of uh, Thorntopia. I'm going to limit the time you can drive a motorcycle. <laughs> or get them quiet, because they can be quieter. You well, can put a muffler on If you're there. the king, you can just shoot them as they go by. And you can't. Nothing can happen to you. You can yeah. just pick them off. Uh, yeah, but bikers generally can kick the ever-living crap out of me. I don't want to be like uh, Pee Wee Herman when he yeah. knocked them, them all over outside the bar and everything. <laughs> so I want to work with them. But just, you know, like if someone mowed their lawn at 3 in the morning... You know, well, if, you know what's pretty you could, annoyingly you could loud? Take them out. Sirens in New York, in, in New York City. Non stop. Try to sleep at night. You know, yeah. woo, every every like fifteen minutes, there's somebody yeah, going. Fuck by all those people getting sick and dying. You know? Yeah. Well, that's not the point. The point is not that they're dying. You know, is the point is that they're obviously not dead, or they wouldn't have the sirens. They're on. probably smoking crack. I once had a roommate who um, <laughs> couldn't cook anything without um, setting off the smoke alarm because he was a moron, and he complained <laughs> to the owner of the house about how loud. The smoke detector was and asked, can't you turn them down? And the guy said, you mean they're loud enough to wake you up in the middle of the night in a burning inferno? He goes, yeah. Like, can't you, like, isn't like a volume knob on there? And I said, I'm, I'm moving out. I'm just, I'm fine enough. When did your friend die in that fire? <laughs> and that's the news. <laughs> I'm Dexter Pluribus reporting live from Woonsocket. You know, did you, did you know Cat Stevens wrote a song about that city? One socket? Yeah. Want to hear it? I'm being followed by a one socket. How'd you know? Just a wild guess. You bought guess. the record. <laughs> you did. And if I ever lose my mouth, all my teeth are north and south. I mean, this Cat Stevens guy. Yeah. You know what? Now he's on the <clears throat> no-fly list. Yep. Um, we're going we're gonna to ask Jerry Thornton if he can stick around for the... Uh, for the episode that we're going to do following this, which is called uh, 15 Minutes of Shame. Shame. Yes. We do it every single week. Uh, and people are really, really starting. This is going to, this is maybe the second most popular podcast that we produce here uh, under the auspices of the Pelham Island Studios. That's right. Production company. That's it. Uh, so it, you can stick around for a few more minutes. 15 minutes, exactly. That's how long it takes. Yeah, I can stick around for the same reason I think I've been on the show more than any other person because. <laughs> I'm really available. <laughs> not because I'm good. I just figure skating's not on tonight. That's the first no, criteria. No, the men's long program is Wednesday night. Um, but no, I realized I, I come on here. I probably talk too much. I'm not no, sure that I no. contribute a bit. But I'm the the best ability is availability, and I have nowhere else to be. So I sit home by myself all day writing nonsense on the internet. So to, to interact with other human beings is sure like a did, uh, I practice my bathroom on, uh, writing on the bathroom walls when I'm at well, home alone. Speaking and, of which, has Jerry signed the wall down here? Uh, let's see. I may have. I no. just first I need to know what Mikey signs the walls with in the bathroom before I touch your walls. <laughs> um, Otherwise, I'm going in there in a hazmat suit. Let me indelible. put it this way: that's not a highlighter. No. Oh, no kidding. Well, speaking uh, yeah. of New York, I to, I've told this story on the podcast, but this is my favorite: a graffiti in a bathroom wall story. It's real quick. Go ahead. I go to the Port Authority bathroom. I'm in there in the bathroom in the stall, and I'm I'm a 17 year old kid, and I look on the wall and it says, "Fuck you," it's in pencil, right below it, and. In pen, bigger, it says, no, fuck you, underlined. <laughs> and then down below it in black magic marker, real big, it says, fuck all you. <laughs> and that's, that's New York, everybody. That's, that was the uh, proto-Twitter. Yes. That's it, right it The original caustic, causticity thing. Well, we thank Jerry Thornton for being on our podcast once again. And Thanks, he's, Jerry. He's going to enjoy ha, 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 apothecary. Oh, and he's also hopefully going to enjoy... Uh, this week's edition of 15 Minutes of Shame. How could he not? He's Wherever part of you get your podcasts. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I met her in a club down in old Soho where you drink champagne and it tastes just like cherry cola, true. C-O-L-A cola, true. She walked up to me and she asked me to dance. I asked her her name and she took off her pants and said, Lola, L-O-L-A, Lola. Lola, Lola, Lola. 
world's most physical guy, but when she squeezed my joint, she nearly broke my thigh. Oh, Lola. L-O-L-O, Lola. You know, I'm not dumb, but I can't understand why she had tits like a woman and a big, thick gland in her pants. Lola, Lola, Lola. Champagne and danced all night at Shaw's under electric candlelight. She picked me up and sat me on her knee. I said, Oh my god, I think I just gotta take a pee. I'm not the world's most passionate guy, but when I looked in her eyes, well, I almost fell for Lola. Who's doing the background vocals here? Take it away, Joe. Lola! La 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 la!